joining us on another episode of the MetaMakers podcast. This is Davis. I'm here with Mary and we're at Adam's house. We have our guests. Could you please introduce yourself? Sure. I'm Adam Eidinger and uh, you're at my house. (laughs) So Adam, you started a couple pretty um, notable organizations. First one I want to ask you about is Catharsis because we were just a part of it. And, uh, and it was so much fun. We all enjoyed everything that, that it was. And, and so we have a few questions for you. We'd like to learn a little bit more about what it is. So would you please share what is Catharsis on the Mall? Well, uh, Catharsis is a vigil for healing. You know, it's something that um, is put together by the community in D.C., but also nationwide, really. Um, the vigil started in 2015. It was sort of like coming from this idea that we wanted to have a regional burn in the DC area. And I'm a burner. I go to Burning Man uh, every year and I've been going since 2006. And it was sort of like, you know, so many people cannot go out to the desert and they can't uh, afford it or they just don't have the time or there's a multitude of reasons. But there's no reason why we can't, like, you know, build this similar community right, you know, across the street from the White House, you know. So that became um, something that, uh, you know, I I found that it wasn't the only one that had the idea to do this. Uh, Robert Hayford, Michael Verdon, Joshua Carroll, Natalie Ginsburg. in that first year, we all were thinking the same thing. Like we wanted to have a burn on the National Mall. Just one thing, one thing will burn. And uh, it was about the ending the drug war, you know. Um, I just led an effort to legalize cannabis in the District of Columbia. And it passed by 70%. And it, it was a huge effort and um, just a, a revolutionary change, really, for how policing was done in the nation's capital from being the number one uh, place in America to be arrested for marijuana. About 1% of the population was going to jail for marijuana charges every year. So, you know, when we changed that rapidly, there was like a a sense that we had some healing to do and we wanted to burn our court records from incarceration. We wanted to burn the petitions with all the signatures of all the people. So that first year, It really was coming from this place of healing from the drug war. DCMJ, which is another theme camp that was at Catharsis this year. Uh, And by the way, thank you uh, to Meta Makers for being there for the second time, actually. Um, I mean, first of all, you guys brought amazing youthful energy to the event. I'm 46 years old, and there's different ways to do this. And um, it was really great to see a camp that has so much participation and um, and it's all in the, you know, people in their 20s or younger even. Um, definitely a place that my daughter who's a teenager like wandered into your camp, you know. It's so, um, 
so yeah, it was a really beautiful thing to see all this participation. And I think when we first start, started Catharsis, we imagined it would eventually grow. But originally, it was just one theme camp, you know? <laughs> it was just like the DCMJ theme nice. camp plus the... Well, there was more than one theme camp. I guess it was a few theme camps the first year. But they weren't called theme camps, you know? It was just like a few different groups. All right. uh-huh. um, so wait, when was the first year? It was November of 2015. And um, you didn't ask this question, but I'm going to let you know that it really was it was born in April of 2015 when Congress was threatening to overturn the ballot initiative. We built a liberty pole in front of the Capitol like at 420 in the morning. And there was a liberty cap like the one I'm wearing right now on on, on top of the pole and people locked themselves to it. And we were there for over a week uh, or for a week. Um, and. That protest uh, kind of gave, you know, we, we felt like a burn at times. Like we actually had a bonfire at one point, but um, we had it like in a burn barrel. That wasn't legal, by the way. And, um, but so was this yeah. the first year that you had the Liberty uh, pole back up at Catharsis? No, it's been at every Catharsis. Every there's catharsis? been a Liberty Pool. Nice. <laughs> um, that's what DCMJ usually brings, is just a Liberty Pool. We've improved it and changed it over the years. So, But that first year, it was the Liberty Pool that we had on the mall in April of 2015, uh, you know, protesting Congress, threatening us. In the end, Congress did not overturn the ballot initiative, but they blocked us from creating new laws uh, regarding cannabis. So we've been stuck in like 20 uh late 2014 and that's why there's legalization without commercialization some have called it the burning man law uh cannabis law but um because like burning man it's like Mm -hmm. a gifting is allowed but and you can share things but you can't sell them so so (laughs) anyway that whole situation is shaking out now with uh you know it's really the republicans in congress that are blocking legalization of cannabis in the nation's capital so the law really has its roots in burner. Well, I mean, it's been, it, well, yes and no. I mean, yes, I am a burner, and yes, I <laughs> drafted the law, and you know, with and got it passed. But the reason we had to draft it with no sales is that DC's ballot initiative process does not allow spending money. Um, you can't like say we're going to have a ballot initiative to tax people to have more money for the schools like you couldn't do that in dc by the um the D, the the home rule act which is like sets out the the, the government in dc and it's, it's the federal government that established the local government here so the federal government gave us the right to do a marijuana initiative that gave you rights like the right to home cultivation mm-hmm. the right to personal possession outside of your home with up to two ounces the right to share up to one ounce that's your that's the law right now mm-hmm. and that has nothing to do with selling it doesn't cost the government anything police can enforce that so that was something that um you know i i i we managed to slip in in a way and now we're waiting for the harris amendment to be removed and then people will be able to dc will be able to write its own laws again the mayor is proposing tax and regulate legislation we're proposing legislation that will allow farmers markets and home grow to be sold. We think every adult should have the legal right to sell some quantity of cannabis without regulation, without fear of arrest, that that would be 
allow for like micro businesses. As soon as it turns into a big business, I want regulation just like everybody else. And I want taxes and fees. But, you know, it, someone who's selling under $30,000 a year of cannabis should probably just have to report his income and that's it. They shouldn't even have to do anything else. Um, so that's some things that we're, uh, DCMJ is fighting for right now. And DCMJ has been like core volunteers for Catharsis every year. People who are there all night long. You know, it's a vigil. Right. And that means we're there 24 hours a day, no sleeping. Now, I have to admit, I saw sleeping at Catharsis here. I know people say they're meditating when you challenge them on that, but I saw cuddle puddles where it turned into sleeping puddles. And you know what? It was so rainy and miserable out there at times that people who were actually spending the night there, I, I think the park service was like, whatever, sleep, we don't care. Like, you're not... Like, I really think the Park Service, like, they pick their battles and the fighting us on people sleeping on site, they just have never fought us on. Like, I've I've never heard of the Park Service coming into a, a camp saying, these people are all sleeping, everyone get out of here, you know, like, uh, or get up, you know. it's I've, But I have heard that happening in front of the White House where the anti-nuclear vigil is and other vigils that are go 24 hours a day when we've done DCMJ vigils, we've been checked up on. Mm. I, I sat in front of the Turkish embassy a few years ago for vigil for the Kurdish people. And, um, you know, I the middle of the night, like at four in the morning, um, I got, you know, kind of awoken or startled, I should say, by a, um, not, by a park police officer saying you're supposed to be awake and I'm supposed to be sleeping here. So, I mean, I think you should be able to sleep at catharsis. Um, I, I think sleeping is cathartic. Totally. Mm. And I'm, we're, we're going to make the argument, and the, we just put the permit in today for next year. For next year. What are the dates on that? Well, oh, it, it's, it, not confirmed, it's not 100%, but the date that, we, date that we're shooting for would be um, starting on May 1st, Friday, May 1st, yes. and then ending on, on Monday the 4th. Is that right? No, wait. Sorry, May 2nd. We would be on site on main day. Sorry. We, we would, I mean, we'd get there earlier. For, we would have an earlier build. Uh, April 26th is the, so we kind of like, we can always cut down the number of days that we are asking for, but it's better to ask for more days. So right now, like we might get Rainbow Bridge, which is this amazing sculpture from the West Coast that wants to come. Couldn't get together to come this year, but they are quite serious about submitting, you know, the architectural drawings. This is like a 30 foot tall rainbow that you can like walk across and it's a huge, uh, um, well, it's a silent phone. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's like, <laughs> can you silence your phone, please? So it's a huge, like, <laughs> yeah, anyway, structure. it's a, <laughs> I think we can edit this, so that's good. Um, uh, we actually don't edit. Oh, you don't edit this? Super raw, that's the whole point. All right, well, that was raw. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Nice. <laughs> it was Justin for the record. Oh, okay. So hold on, Adam. I gotta ask you something. So you, I asked you about catharsis, and you brought up DCMJ. Thanks, DCMJ. Are they're separate organizations, correct? Yes, uh, catharsis is an LLC whose okay. sole member is Robert Hayford, who is our only lawyer in the founding <laughs> group. So. It's sort of like for, you know, it's really a collective uh, and the decision making is consensus, except for when there's no consensus, the votes could be forced. If the trunk makes a decision that is just outrageous, the trunk is the basically the board of directors and they're elected. 
the the roots, which are the founders, have the authority to reverse a decision, but that's all they can do. They can't actually make the decisions. They can only reverse them. So this past year, you know, the elected trunk uh, really, you know, there were times where like the roots would leave the room and just let them vote and not even be there for the vote because we were there to, I'm a roots member. I'm one of the founders. I ran for the trunk. I was elected. Actually, I came in second place, but I, I stepped down prior to being given the position because I really wanted to make space for other leaders. And there were uh, so many people who ran that the person who just who just missed getting into the 11-member trunk um, was Mia Hardwick. And, I, and she's on the West Coast. And she had a big disadvantage because she's not from D.C., so a lot of people don't know her. But she's brought a lot to catharsis every for the last few years and in a major way, actually, the last four years. So I... Um, you know, I stepped aside and then she was automatically the next person and it actually made it, I believe, a, a balanced membership of men and women on the trunk. And it, it was just the right thing to do. And meanwhile, like I could still go to the meetings. I could still right. speak at the meetings. Um, I'm kind of the lead for DPW, which is in this case for, you know, catharsis, the main things are DPW have to do with like refueling generators and like laying mate tracks or whatever, armor decking. It depends on what, what which one you have. Um, which is easy enough, but taking it up is not. Yeah, so easy. for listeners, do you want to describe for everybody yeah, what this actually, stuff is? So, like, So this armor decking is like this, uh, I think they're three and a half feet by three and a half feet and two pieces interlock and they're really hard pieces of plastic and they're aerated so the water goes through and it keeps the grass, the grass really... Uh, safe basically um, putting it down is like puzzle pieces taking it up is even harder of a puzzle and we kind of made a joke that we we're going to teach a, a, an armor decking <laughs> workshop next year for all the camp leaders <laughs> well I noticed that not to get into it too much but I noticed you guys tied your dome down to the armor decking which <laughs> was criticized by a number of other camps that were lacking armor decking that it was not a good use of armor decking that you should tie your dome down to the ground and then put the armor decking on the inside. Whoa. But you considering it, it to the specifics, <laughs> it wasn't even enough for our because we were going to have a forty foot dome and we had to downsize. Well, uh, I, I, I think in the end it was probably the best move for you because you had essentially an island of of armor decking. Mm-hmm. It was literally surrounded by it looked like two or three inches of water like on all sides oh my God, at, at, for yeah. much of the weekend we were in a total and, and, and it really brought people together yeah. it was like you know I, I mean I was moving around in a uh, mobile puppet uh, yes. you know mobile puppet zone <laughs> ministry propaganda and um, I was had this bug puppet and I was talking about how the bugs family were all drowning that night and like he had been evacuated from a flood zone and mm-hmm. And we and we, but we actually had a shelter, like we had mobile shelter were over you our heads. Were outside when the generators were off? Yeah, we were. We were. That was like for me. That was like the most special moment. It was when it starts lightning and storming, yeah, and like we're, and people are staying, but they're but the generators are off, and right, and it's quiet, and then people start playing instruments and singing and mm-hmm. dancing and making entertainment. I started doing puppetry. Like everybody, it was like when we t- unplugged. Actually, that was the best part of the yeah. whole the whole community effort, even though easily a thousand people like left, like went home because they were like, 
but there was still like the hardcore few hundred that were there and just exactly. like you know what we we don't quit i mean this is like burning man like you don't go you don't go home when there's a dust storm you you have to go get through it and make the most of it and that's that's part of the catharsis too is like the struggle and in previous years the struggle has been cold and this year the struggle was wet and but it was warm and it was really easy to get warm it wasn't that cold at all with the water and um, and I think, you know, we didn't have to bring propane heaters and everything. And I, and it, we, a lot of places were dry. Like the domes were very dry inside and, you know, yeah, we had, we had built shelter, you know, and the armor decking was like super key. Yeah. The armor deck. Yeah, totally. Yeah. And yeah. there, you know, the gong, uh, master, Jamie Flynn was there from Florida. Wizard. Who, the wizard. Oh I mean, everyone's calling him lots of names, but I. <laughs> that's I how he know, introduced himself. He goes to by me. Wizard. He's, yeah, yeah, Wizard. That's, he got that uh, name from uh, for me giving him a Phrygian cap, I believe, that looked like a wizard cap about a year and a half ago. So okay. it's a new, it's a new nickname, and uh, but he had an amazing experience playing gong for so many people who had never heard a gong before. Mm. And I, I know I just brought it up. I didn't give you a chance to ask the question, but it was like, Please. this is definitely one of my favorite things about catharsis this year was like, we're starting to attract like new forms of healing and new experiences for people that that's what makes it so special. It's like, if you go there and you have like 20 new experiences in one afternoon or one evening, yeah. I mean, when you leave, you're like, whoa, what just happened? I never knew this was possible. And there was a lot of that going on. Like there was, I mean, do you remember during the fire on Saturday night, during the uh, temple burn, there was a group of uni, uni wheel guys yes, that just showed up? The, yeah, and they, they were all wearing different colored LEDs. Oh, yeah, yeah. And, and it was like all black, and then they had just the LED outline of their body, which it looked very much like little burning men. It looked so cool. Yeah. It attracted random performers. Yeah, they weren't, they, exactly. They were not they they're not in the community mm-hmm. like straight up right no one ever and meanwhile they rolled in and people thought it was this planned yo public thing and, and 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 you know <laughs> i apparently uh, uh roman chased them down like for blocks trying to catch up to them and ask them who the hell they were because they, <laughs> they didn't even stick around they just roman. like drove around the event and showed off and got like a huge cheer from the crowd who nice. thought wow the yeah, burning totally. man is here you know and but then <laughs> they just rolled away and it was like whoa there's more magic and uh there was you know also more magic is you know quest skinner who i've known for many years and uh is a close friend uh but also you know there's struggle in friendships sometimes you know and like there was a lot of struggle for us in the last year and it was such a coming on a personal level it's a huge coming together for me and her i really feel like we bonded over her effigy and it brought us back to a great friendship but um, also just her as as an artist, like you know, from NDC making a living at Eastern Market, selling her art for many years now. Here, like I, I mean, I feel like it was like a a national stage. It wasn't just you know a DC burn. I mean, this is also kind of the na- a national burn. I like to think of it that way. That we have participants from all over the country. Um, so she put a proposal in for a woman similar to the poster that was designed by Marty Kenny of like this woman with a pregnant earth and the belly. Um, and her, you know, her sculpture was small. It didn't take advantage of all the space that she was allotted. She, you know, you only get five feet by five feet square to 
of space to burn things and she created this like intentionally made a smaller effigy um and volume of wood so it would not burn as long as as say michael vernon's effigies which are just he just maxes he maxes it out he wants to get as much fire for you know as he can get and for the fire to last for hours hers was like I knew it was gonna be fast the way it was mm-hmm. designed, and it was fast. It only it only took twenty minutes from beginning, beginning to end, but in those twenty minutes, it produced m- the most spectacular images with mm-hmm. just a simple, you know, with an iPhone. You're capturing like amazing, like sacred fire images, and you see the woman figure in the fire. That burn lit me up like way more than the second day burn for yeah. whatever. Just personally, like I yeah. was something about it like my energy was off the wall i jumped up on the stage i was like freaking out <laughs> it was awesome I, it was awesome and and for, you could feel it, you know, how much it was the first time it, yeah it was a first it was the first woman-led burn on the national mall mm-hmm. that we know of it was the first time i don't even know african-americans who have led burns in the world period Whoa. like i don't you look around i'm like Fuck it's usually yeah, white West. people doing this and uh here quest is like just smashing you know this glass ceiling it was like maybe yes. not a glass ceiling but she beat out you know uh monkey burnswell from i think from philadelphia who has made you know burns for over a decade on the eastern sh- east east coast you know and and he had an idea of a cube standing on one <laughs> side of like like you know, so it was actually seven feet tall, and there's a max of five feet. But he wanted to like challenge the park service and say it's the exact same volume of five feet. Mm-hmm. It's just standing on its side, so now it's seven feet on the little corner, I should say. And anyway, we actually decided against this proposal, even though it's a fine pro- proposal. And um, uh, you know, Quest beat beat him out, and he did something really gracious. And instead of like being kind of a sore loser or being like you know. Um, upset or not participating, he consulted her, and he's like, "I have dec- a long, a lot of experience, and I want this to go well for you. So let's talk oh, about what you're doing." Yes. And and there, and also Michael Verdon provided help to her, even though um, she really made the relationship with the fire department. Um, and it turns out she even know, knew the knew the fire marshal on the scene <laughs> from like. A previous life like they were like different lives both of them were doing different things mm-hmm. but they knew each other and um so and then burn night it was just it was really cool like mike the person who's led every burn that we've done michael verdon was able to like step back and like let her do this and and create the space for her to do it and i think he did a really good job of like working with her and she was very nervous you know i think leading up to it i mean I probably doesn't want to hear that if she listens to this, but I know she's been on your podcast as well. Um, but it was a very stressful week leading up to it. There were a lot of last minute changes being pushed upon the, the burn uh, by the park service, which is perfectly normal. But um, first, the first time person, it gets very jarring because like you think you have it all your details set, yeah. and then like no, no, you can't do it this way. Mm-hmm. There, yeah. in her case, she wanted to do a paper mache effigy, and uh, the park service at first was like sure and then they were like well no and then they're like absolutely no too dangerous i mean i think there's no danger whatsoever i mean that perimeter is huge we are like overkill safety wise yeah it's a Um, big circle it is and and you know we people are being allowed to approach the fire has only happened in the last couple years we used to have our own person in a flame retardant suit that would go and like 
um, and manipulate the fire. And it was always like a really popular thing. Instead of having the fire department do it, we would do it. But now the fire department wants to do it. I mean, they've tightened up the restrictions that on the, on these fires. The first year it was a third. We did it. It was a thirteen foot effigy. Oh, cool! And it was no problem. And you know now we're at five feet. Yeah, that's that's wrong. You, you're supposed to be able to walk <laughs> through a temple, right on the temple, and then later watch that thing burn. Right. Uh, and that's not happening right now. The federal government is blocking us effectively from having a reasonable fire, like a twenty foot height max. Maybe we have a, a max on the amount of volume of wood. Like you could, there's ways to regulate this and still allow people to walk through the structure. They're also now saying that we can't even build structures unless they have stamped drawings. So all the domes this year, Josh Carroll, who's, I mean, really deserves tremendous credit for the production of Catharsis. Really, I'm sitting here talking about as a founder, but I haven't mentioned Josh enough that you know he went and saw you know shepherded through getting stamped architectural drawings for all those domes at a very affordable price through working our burner network saving it could have been ten thousand dollars i think in the end it was less than two thousand dollars to do this but now forever those domes that are camp contact and uh uh, daryl's domes sometimes we call them daryl's domes because he's the lead you know bringing them every year Daryl Duane, um, Camp Contact's domes are really legal in the eyes of the federal government now. And that's good to know for like, if we have to do this in a flash, you know, like there could be a time where we decide to mobilize very quickly to do a catharsis quickly for reasons that we are unforeseen. Like right now, we're planning on doing it in May of next year, you know, around May 2nd to the 4th. But, um, you know, there could, something could change. The new... The new trunk could decide. No, we're going to do them quarterly. You know, because we could decide vigil that vigil for healing can be required differently. Yeah, over we. Time. It could be something for in reaction to something that we decide we're bringing it back. Mm-hmm. But I do think the vision long term is to fill them all on an annual basis with this kind of this kind of event. It's a demonstration. I mean, it's not a special event legally. It's that's why you don't have fences around it and if it was a special event you could do this you could charge to admission like you could have burning man on the mall for money we could charge the public to go to catharsis yeah you could <coughs> but we chose not to mm-hmm. um a long time ago at the very beginning it was like no we want this to be the national burn and like burners from all across the world and across america should be moving their 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 best art to the national mall you know after it's been a burning like a lot of this art that goes to burning man is never seen again mm. or it goes just to burning man a few times and then you never see it again no if you have something really special that is just blows everyone's minds at burning man which is pretty much every year there's something that's absolutely amazing there pack it up and ship it to washington dc you know and we'll get the permit to put it on the mall like we have a foothold here now and there's so many people that like you guys are dedicated to this to this happening and are giving it all away like people all year long are charging for their events this is the one event like we're really giving it away we're really giving it back mm-hmm. and it's really so many nice tourists as too a, as a business to be able to give back like that truly like to the community yeah i mean nobody's supposed to be marketing there. themselves there as a business or you know, it's a True. it's a non-commercial space, uh, decommodified. I guess you could say, is the right word. Um, 
but uh, you still can network there. Right. And that happens at Burning Man too. It's the same thing. It's like, yeah, we're going to have a great time here. Like, this is real time. Like, this is where we really do it for ourselves. And it, and uh, like, um, Extinction Rebellion, this was, they were a new camp this year. Connected with them. Cesar Maxit is a longtime ally and uh, artist friend who's been um, creating amazing graphic art for a lot of the projects I've worked on over the years. He designed the Catharsis logo. Mm -hmm. He had never really done Catharsis in five years. And there are a lot of reasons why. Um, and so they're very difficult ones, including um, uh, the first Catharsis night. There was a suicide in his house. Mm -hmm. And uh, it was a PTSD suicide. That's why the second year of Catharsis, the theme was healing from PTSD. And Cesar hadn't healed yet himself from the trauma, that whole situation with his friend committing suicide. And um, and we had worked with his friend on an actual MAPS video that about PTSD and suicide. And you, know, you hear the sirens. Yeah. Wow. I'm really close to the vice president's mansion. So whenever he drives anywhere, you hear them. And that's probably the vice president. Um, but yeah, the the... The early catharsis is, you know, the first one we knew was about the drug war. The second one was instructed by a suicide that happened that, that night. Mm -hmm. I mean, I spent the first year of catharsis face down in the grass crying for a good 45 oh. minutes. I had just come from the house where the suicide had happened. And my um, my role there was to cons to help the housemates while my friend Cesar was actually out of the country and his soon-to-be... Uh, uh, well, she was pregnant actually. His, his soon-to-be uh, baby mama was living there with him, and like, ever it was just a scary, scary time. He shot himself, and we didn't know it was a suicide at first. Of course, you know the police don't tell you that. So, um, I figured it out though. You know, like I did a head count of all the housemates, and kind of like brought and kind of like even went and spoke to the media who showed up at the house about how. This is a peace house. Like the fact that there was a shooting here is totally unbelievable, and mm -hmm. and it turned out it was suicide. But I I realized just talking to the media and talking, trying to please we're not answering our questions, but that that must have been what happened. Like this wasn't some like armed robbery or some you know in home invasion, and and I realized it like just as I like walked onto the grass at Catharsis, you know, and. And people were like, hey, Adam, good to see you. The burn's about to happen. And I, I just, like, collapsed on the ground and oh, cried. Man. And I cried I cried more that night than I, I've cried in my, maybe my whole life. And um, at one point, the park service came over. And uh, the park police were like, is this guy all right? And, like, people were, like, holding me and, like, protecting me. And they were like, he's, uh, he's the permit holder. <laughs> oh, oh, <I> <laughs> and it was like... It oh was such God. a like, you know, like, what? <laughs> that's the permit holder. He's like the ground. He's like a total muddy blubber, blubbering pile of <laughs> sorrow. And, <laughs> um, but you know, actually I was able to like calm down. It took like a couple hours, but I eventually calmed down and started to be, I was able to express what was going on, but people were having a ball. Like people were having so much fun and I was so sad. And, and I just kept telling people that we have to heal from PTSD and like, this it's it's real like you know uh, uh, Barkley Wright who killed himself he was he was a veteran from the Iraq War and um, so 
yeah, that instructed the second year, and we really reached out to veterans and our own community. And um, the third year, wow. you know, we changed the theme once again, and the theme uh, was uh, nurturing the heart, like healing the heart, which really yeah. nurturance is like sort of feminine in nature. Nur- you know, if you look up the word nurture or right, nurturance, right, it's, right, right. it's like breastfeeding, right? Mm-hmm. So, so suddenly like, the women in our community were like rising and the men were all told to sit down and and it it there was all kinds of you know, me too was happening and me too won what year was and that this was 2017 okay so we we had our me too as well and and you know everything from like who was DJing to what artist was being profiled to you know we tried to bring our evolution and we got stopped. There was a big fight. It was in the Wall Street Journal, New York Times, Washington Post, major media coverage. We actually had the permit to bring our evolution, this huge 45-foot woman, allegedly naked. She wasn't naked. She just, it was a profile. She wasn't naked. It didn't detail any kind of naked body. It was like, if anything, it looked like a skin suit she's wearing. But anyway, the, you know, Former Speaker of the House, Newt Gingrich's wife, Calista Gingrich, like made it her mission to get the National Park Service to pull the permit, and they did. And so we had to scramble, and we created our revolution, which was this tapestry of a woman composite of 26 people, of women in our community, and that was also on display again this year. So that tapestry was made by Marty Kenny and Mia Hardwick, and it was uh, really like... I think an amazing community response to the government putting an obstacle in our way. Mm-hmm. And uh, 2017, it highlighted women in an amazing way. Like the Dragon Abraxas game, which is like a male-dominated group. All the men took off the Sonomari costumes. Women put them on. And a woman That's drove cool. the dragon, and it was only women on the dragon as it paraded through the city. And all the men walked. And a woman was interviewed on the back of it. Oh yeah, she, she. I mean, the, the main video that there is of of Abraxas, and could you, because t- you're talking about Abrax, excuse me, Abraxas, the dragon that drives around. Mm-hmm. Um, it's a th- three story bus that looks like a huge dragon. I mean, it's insane. This thing is massive, and <laughs> yeah. it drove around the White House at eight o'clock in the morning on the last day of catharsis. What is that? Could you tell us about the parade? Mm. So it came, it's been to Catharsis a couple times. Um, and uh, the first time it came to Catharsis, it was actually a different bus. And the second time it came, the one that you're referring to in 2017, um, the dragon, like, you know, it comes from California and it's been to Burning Man 10 times. Um, but they got, it bought a bigger bus. And she ended up becoming like eighty feet. It was massive. And and it's like three stories. There's like couches on the second floor. There's Whoa. two. There's, there's a DJ yeah, there's on the top. I mean, I was blown it's away. It's all Whoa. it's all like hand welded framing and it stretched, you know, gold a golden fabric, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. bronze gold fabric sort of, and uh, the head is you know made from a lot of different materials. Um, I've been been involved with the Braxis crew since 2010. When they first came to D.C. for the John Stewart rally to restore fear and or, or restore sanity and or fear, 
And that was Stephen Colbert and Jon Stewart. And this was like a half a million people that came to the National Mall to just freak out. It was like the Democrats were lost the midterms, but they won the protest that year. I mean, it was like, this was a fun protest. And it was just like Democrats acting silly as fuck. People were wearing, you know, outrageous costumes and just... It was like a non-protest protest. It was like, what are we protesting? It was like, I don't know. And it was like, we're out here just to be absurd. It was like, like, how absurd can you get? And so, yeah, it just spoke to the West Coast burners like you wouldn't believe. And they were like, we're going to Washington. (laughs) And and so they literally, when they heard about this march, they, they gave me 10 days notice. I got a call from David Bronner. He says... I want you to like, uh, you know, help these guys if you can and try to get help them get a permit because they want to come. You know, the dragon Abraxas. I'm like, yeah, I've seen the dragon. I'd actually ridden on it once, but I didn't know these guys too well. And so uh, Bobcat and Tim Clark uh, and Zach, they all flew out like the advance guard, like, I don't know, a week before they were arriving. And I had already been working for a few days on getting this permit from the D.C. police and figuring out a route and figuring out a place to build it. And like, and in the end, I actually, everything worked out. Like I found a place in Uptown, got, uh, you know, or sorry, Upshur is the street, like way Uptown. And got the DC police to reverse a one-way street for us because we had to avoid power lines. And there was like this, just one street, like two blocks. You just had to reverse (laughs) the direction on the street. And we got them to do it. so we drove from like north of the diamond, like way up at the top of the diamond of DC, all the way down to the mall. And when we left, you know, we had about a hundred people with us, um, marching and riding, police escort. And as we're going, as we get down to 14th and U, we suddenly get a flat tire. Oh man! And I, the reason I'm telling this story is because John Perry Barlow, the the famous. Um, internet advocate and also Grateful Dead songwriter. He's like part of the Abraxas. Now he passed away recently and, uh, and is very much missed in our community. But at this time, it weren't a lot of people that had experienced changing tires on like hippie school buses, mm. which is like the frame of this giant dragon. And with all this sound equipment on it, a huge sound system and all these people, you know, we had to get everyone off and we tried to jack it up and change a tire and, and it won't jack up because it's like way heavier than a normal school bus. So we're like, what are we going to do? You know, and we decide and, Jer- and Perry Barlow is like, I've seen this before. We're all going to pick up the bus together. <laughs> and like literally 40 people, as many people as you can cram on one side of the bus, got a hand on the bus. And on the count of three, we lifted up the bus. We could have flipped the bus if we wanted to. It was amazing what our people power is. 40 hippies, uh, Abraxians, whatever you want to call them. And we were all really like all in costume and like full blown tripped out space. And we picked up the bus and Barlow like pulled the tire off and got the other tire on in like 30 seconds. And we let it down and we were like, Oh my God, we have so much power. Like this, this community is so strong. If we work together, we can do, we can do anything. And, and it was such a like, high because we were you know we can't we uh, 10 days earlier this was like not possible and here we are like on the streets of washington dc and um we got down eventually we did get down to the mall with the dragon but the, there were so many people half a million people showed up 
that it was impossible to get to our designated spot, which was in the center of the National Mall, which really burned up Bobcat and and Predator and some of the more hardcore Abraxians that look like six foot five, you know, like <laughs> all muscle. Like these guys are really tough. You I mean, they like essentially it? are warriors. I mean, that's they're dressed as tsunami. Like they are a warrior burner yeah, like scene. Like at Burning Man, they do they, they train in sword fighting at Burning Man. So there's oh like my so there's God. a lot. Of, it's a serious crew, and it's like really Yo. tough. It's it's like the most beautiful men. Like are all like super male macho energy i mean i'm making fun of it a little bit because i'm definitely like the flabbiest guy in the whole crew and um <laughs> and i'm not that flabby right right but i mean so just like <laughs> so like they're they're just so tough you know and and funny too, and fun and sweet and loving and open and welcoming and trying to like spur people to to know their own power and um, but yeah, it's a very like inspiring crew. And anyway, I want to tell you this story. Did you say half a million people? There was a half a million people there. Once? Yeah, at the National Mall, it was big. It was big. It was ah, a really big event. And yeah. they only brought a sound system for sixty thousand people, and a half a million people showed up. Uh, the vast majority of people couldn't even hear John Stewart or Stephen Colbert. So they were just wandering around being weirdos. Like everyone was uh, being a weirdo, and we oh we like God. seriously, people had funny signs and stuff. It was such a hysterical gathering. <laughs> So here we are, this magical dragon banging like, you know, beats and, and we've got DJs going, all this stuff. And then the police come over and they're like, you have to stop playing music now. And we're like, oh no, we're going to play music this whole time until we go home. And they're like, no, 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 you're going to stop. And then they already came back and we didn't stop. And then we're like, okay, if we have to tow you out of here, we will. And we'll arrest all of you. And, and suddenly it was like, oh, they're really threatening us. So we had a little meeting. We turned off the music. And then after a little while, like we lost our crowd and our people are starting to even scatter. And we're like, wait, this isn't what we came here to do. Like we, this is, they're interfering with our free speech. The police can't, we can't let them get away with this. So suddenly like all this number are like armoring up and they like put on their gear and their head, their helmets. And they were no longer just in costume. Like their costumes, which are made from recycled materials, turned into samurai outfits and samurai like would weave stuff really tightly and like create like essentially like a kind of kevlar material you know with all these different materials woven together it actually yeah. stops things so modern day kevlar is very similar and like suddenly these guys are wearing like recycled body armor and and they're all and they're marching in in unison and i'm like talking to the police like trying to advocate because I was the police liaison, I had the permit in my name yeah. to, to turn the music back on. And um, and also telling them that, well, even if we don't turn the music on, we're going to use the mic and we're going to beatbox then. Or we're going to do, you know, we're not going to, if you say we can't have the music. We'll make music. We'll make, we'll make it with our mouths and that's legal and mm -hmm. I know that. And they're like arguing with me. And just as they're arguing with me, Bobcat, who's very tall, like 6'5", six, 6'4", six, he's a tall guy. He has this huge helmet on. He's now like eight foot, you know, with this huge like giant tsunami outfit. And they're like, and they're all like, oh they're God. all like in their like Japanese, like faux Japanese, like warrior mode. And they're not even speaking in normal voices. Everyone's like, everyone's like speaking in haikus and stuff. And, 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 and it's just like, they're surrounding the police. Like there's more of them than there are police. And we're talking to some white shirts, you know, and they're like, they realize what's going on, like that we're moving, like we're physically getting in their space now. They were getting into our space, now we're getting into we're their space. Sweating. No one's touching anybody. 
but like <laughs> it, it feels like it's about to turn into a total like shoving match or something, oh. you know. And I'm standing right in the middle of it, and at one point. The cops are, you know, uh, they, they respond to the tsunami and their grunts and threats. They're making threats sort of at the police talking about how we will not be intimidated by you. You know, like things like that, you know, and it's like kind of threat threatening the police. And I'm like, wait, this is not, this is like, I've been enough protests have gotten out of hand and I just felt like any minute now, there's just going to be this massive brawl, the DC police and the tsunami. So I'm literally pushing both sides. Like I'm like trying to push the tsunami back and I'm kind of pushing the police back. And I'm like right in the middle. And then like some other police officers kind of see what's going on too. And they rush over. And now it's like, you know, it's a good few dozen people like swarming the spot. And, and um, one of the white shirts who I known from many other early protests, I, I see him, I forget his name now, but I called him over and I, and I said, you got to call your guys off and I'll call our guys off. And like, and we like basically called like a ceasefire right there, like before the thing was about to get out of control. And I was like, everyone back to the dragon. And they were like, everyone back to the corner. You know, like they like left the middle of the street and we back went back and we turned the and we turned, we turned the music back on and, and, and they didn't do anything. But it was like this moment where it was like wow. every, all the macho energy came out like super hard. And it was very like, it was very intimidating, I think, on both sides. So we got lucky that day. But the dragon, you know, after that experience, it was all smooth sailing. We played music the rest of the day. And then we sailed through the city. The dragon flew through the city. It went through, through went up 14th Street. It went past a million restaurants, people out. In their evening, you know, and oh, and like six yo. o'clock, there's this massive dragon rolling down the street, <laughs> blasting music with like two hundred people oh, on fantastical. it, just like having a blast, and, wow. and 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 people were like awoken, like they had never seen anything like it before, and um, there were all these people on the, you know, the one thing people think the tsunami, they're always riding the dragon, they actually don't ride the dragon, they they run around the dragon when you're it's moving, like you need like at least six people on the outside monitoring keeping people away from it because you can get run over when you're driving you can't see anything Mm. you just see straight ahead and so and i drive it sometimes at burning man i've driven it i've driven it three years at burning man which is the highlight of my week is the night i drive it (laughs) um i only will drive one night a week or something but it's a huge responsibility and you know you can easily run someone over easily someone could fall off if you jerk it with the brakes too much it's it's like a giant boat and like it's you have to be really be very gentle on how you drive it and um you know and stay below five miles per hour kind of thing but um anyway we're, we're, we're driving up 14th street and the tsunami were like dressed as all these different characters and they would like walk up to people sitting at bus stops with their heads down you know like just sort of like waiting for the bus kind of depressed you know um or just this one was not the smile on their face for sure and they would walk up to them and they'd act like an animal or whatever and they would like get awake awaken the person and the person would be like what is this person doing and they, and then the person would be like acting like an animal and then they'd be like look. you know and like and they would look and there'd be like this huge dragon rolling down the street and they hadn't even noticed this whole time they had their head down you know and and so it was kind of like you know, they were awakening the whole city and um there was a huge impact it had so when catharsis happened after the first year the second year, it was, like, really ambitious. It was like, let's get that dragon, you know? Like, Braxis, will you come? And they're like, we can do it! And, like, driving cross-country and bringing it back to Washington and finally having it on the National Mall was, like, you know, 
was really yeah you're getting my attention i would like some um <laughs> it, it was it was a real accomplishment and you know as each year there's like more and more accomplishment for the participants i mean didn't you feel a sense of accomplishment this year or Definitely. oh my gosh totally you know i mean why what, what is it that was made you feel that way because so, go ahead mary um, just all of the the random kind of people that I was able to connect with over the weekend who, and who got the opportunity to experience something that they probably would never experience if it wasn't right in the middle of the public in such an open space. That's, that's yeah, so that brought me a sense of real accomplishment and um, um, sense of fulfillment. Yeah, totally. I, I mean, for one thing, our camp was bigger than last year. And How many people? For, no, I mean the physical size of oh, okay. it. Like we had, this was our first year with a dome, and um, and it was amazing to see how many people showed up early to help us put it together in the rain, and how many people mm. were there on the last day to help us take it down in the rain. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, another thing is our, our workshops. I mean, I felt like we got to invite so many experts to come and facilitate experiences. And um, I mean, just all of them were just really magical. And then all the music. And then, like you said, that open jam that happened at our camp when the lightning started and everyone had to turn their generators off. And um, our dome was a, was a safe place because it was dry and it was it was big and um, we had live instruments still so we were singing and, and dancing and, and and I mean it was like still so alive I feel like it was one of the most um, energetic parts of the whole experience even though we had no power which totally. was incredible and then also to see the healing I mean that's the goal mm-hmm. and um, and just like you said with the dragon how it brought such um, playful energy to people it opened up their eyes that's what catharsis i feel really does to whoever stumbles upon it or who knows about it and comes to it because it's free and so open it really allows people to roll with a curious playful childlike um wonder walking Mm -hmm. through catharsis grounds It's, it's amazing did you encounter the uh, Republican Moonbase one? The what? No. Oh, yes. Republican yes, Moonbase one. Yes, when I had to was... wash my face, I had to wash my face in the middle of the night, and I was like, where? I don't, because I didn't really want to walk You all washed the way. your face in the pit of despair? Yes, dude. I, I was sketched out, and I asked your, your I, I walked up on your um, daughter and her friends, and I was like, you guys have to come with me to the Republican camp. I'm a little scared. And, <laughs> and they were like, what? Where? So we all walked up on it, and we talked to them, and they are really cool. It was like a cool dude chilling, sitting there, probably my age, like holding it down, and they had fresh spring water. And <laughs> your face in the, in the water that was coming from the sculpture of two wooden uh, – was it two? No, it was so, one wooden – So, all right, um, let, me, let me explain Washington it because – Yeah, so here's like what they did. water out the top. Here's what they did. They, they – uh, Republican Moon Base One wants you to say something civil about President Trump. Yeah. And, uh, <laughs> you know, it's pretty progressive town. I'm not a Republican – I'm not a Trump supporter. I think most of Catharsians are not Trump supporters. However, there are Catharsians who are Trump supporters. There are burners who are definitely Trump supporters. Um, 
so he this was a camp for the rest of us who are you know <laughs> that are not looking to vote for bernie or something you know um so here's what they did they asked you to say something civil about the president and and write it down on a card and they they would keep your card in a stack of civil things that people have said about the president Mm -hmm. which by the way was a very interesting stack to flip through and read but if you could not say something civil about the president if it was impossible for you to do so you could write something uncivil about him and they would take your comment and they would walk it over to that little hole, which was like, it was basically a, f- a planter uh-huh. that was collecting water that was pouring out of the top of, of a sculpture of the Washington Monument. <laughs> and the scu- sculpture of the Washington Monument ever so slightly was leaning over at an angle. And so the, it looked like the Washington Monument was crying. <laughs> And so it was the tears of the Washington Monument. They would take your negative comment about the president and throw it into the pit of despair and let the Washington Monument cry on it. And and I, I just thought, man, this is so funny. Like, I so... And then you look in the pit and there's like all these wet, like, comment cards that have like negative things written on them. And there's like the tears of the Washington Monument. So I guess you washed your face with the tears of the Washington Monument that night. Um, sure. Uh, which was really funny because you're like right next to the Washington Monument for real like you're standing next to it so um, I laughed I laughed for a long time at this camp when I arrived and got the spiel and to the point where I wanted to deliver the spiel to people that were coming to the camp so I literally volunteered I literally volunteered for the Republican camp this year and I'm not a Republican pretty much you said it was the the camp that made you laugh the hardest yes it definitely did and Soren the the uh, and so there's a backstory to this camp. I, I don't know if I should talk about it publicly, but they did have a name change from their original proposal. I was going to say because I actually was there last year and it was called something different. And when you said Moonbase 1, I didn't recognize La- it. Last year they were called uh, Black Rock City Republicans, referring mm-hmm. to Burning Man, Black Rock City. But um, they they had a new name this year and they created a website and the name was Colorblind Republicans Club. And the trunk, thank goodness we have an elected trunk. You know, this is the kind of thing where when you have diversity, white people might think, what's wrong with that? You know, we have diversity in our group. What's wrong with being colorblind? But to people who are not white, um, the idea of, a, of colorblindness is, means something else. It means like not seeing the fact that African-Americans have been discriminated against historically and are continue to be in our society or that there's huge economic disparities between blacks and whites and Latinos, um, that whites are in the driver's seat in most industries. And, you know, blacks are still in many industries underrepresented, um, if not all industries. So there's um, there's sort of a sense of uh, that you can't be colorblind. That to be colorblind is to be tone deaf. It's to like actually white people should be recognizing the differences and the, how differences how differently people have been treated. And so we objected to the name, and uh, I objected to the name as a roots member. But the you know the trunk took up the decision of working with this camp, not to kick them out because we believe in radical inclusion. But instead to say, could you change your name? Mm-hmm. And here's why. You know, like, it's, it's offensive to people. It's triggering to people. 
it's not inclusive enough. As much as you think it is by saying you're colorblind, it, it, no, you're actually very much um, uh, missing the point. Um, so we, we, we were surprised and relieved, I guess you could say, that Soren and other members of the camp were so easy to work with on this change. And they had made a reference to, they have a website, you know, and they had changed their website for us and they had um, changed the name of the camp to a, to a name that was totally acceptable, you know. And, um, and then I ended up having like the most fun I had at all of Catharsis at this camp, which I just didn't see that coming. And uh, that's usually how it is when something's really fun. It's like, it's usually very surprised, like a surprise, at least for me. And, um, and I bonded with this camp and now I, I also feel like I could say that they're not alt-right trolls, you know, just trolling catharsis, that they actually are people that were born and raised in Republican households that are still very open-minded, very much love this culture that, that of Burning Man. And, and also, like, catharsis culture is different than Burning Man. It's not Burning Man. Like, we've created something new here. We have a new model there's nowhere in America where they do it this way, where burns are happening this way, where they're free and radically inclusive. Really? Nowhere. There's nowhere where there are theme camps where they're free. Yeah, hmm. definitely. Everywhere, regional burns, all these events, people are paying two, $300 for a weekend plus dues for their camp, maybe $400 for the weekend. That's what's crazy about the decommodification aspect. That we are actually are decommodified. Yeah, yeah it's like I the agree. Most burning man, burning and man. it's for something. Like yeah. we're actually making a statement now. You know, the leadership of Burning Man. Had, we there's been a lot of dialogue over the years with Catharsis. Catharsis presented at the leadership conference at Burning Man a few years ago. Uh, they won't allow us to be an official burn because we don't charge admission. Hmm. That's actually one of the requirements, and we're they they collect. I believe it's ten percent. I could be wrong about the percentage, but I believe it's 10% from all the regional burns revenue. So they get like a licensing fee for being an official Burning Man event, which raises money for Burning Man all year long and goes into their fund, which I think they have like 35 employees or something now. Mm-hmm. Burning Man has a lot of labor issues. Catharsis has labor issues too. I mean, we do. I mean, I'm for one, why am I doing so much of the work? You know, where are all the people that come to catharsis where are they on the build nights i want to know where they are because they're not showing up like our theme camps are great but every theme camp has like a core of just a a half a dozen people it seems like Mm -hmm. that get the job done and everyone else is sort of sort of involved it maybe is like 30 people that built catharsis this year that actually built it and set it up it's not i mean from what i can tell it was not a huge crowd of people building it. And if we just could get the people who are listening to this podcast, who've actually made it this far. Yeah, we just got to talk about it more. If you, if you could just see that your involvement in catharsis is in three parts. Mm-hmm. It's the first part is building it. The second part is enjoying it and doing it. Mm-hmm. And the third part is taking it down and, clean, and leave no trace. And it's like, if you look at it that way, that's how you do catharsis. If more people did it that way, it'd be easier for everybody on the build side and the takedown side and be more fun on the party side. Because mm-hmm. there is a party there and it's well-deserved. Like 
when we had that burn on Saturday night, I mean, I looked around like with the Maratos, Dia Maratos. I've been saying it wrong the whole week, but they built that the cathedral. Uh-huh. I, it looked like they were going to get that done. Like all, it did not. They were struggling. They it was really hard. hard. They had never built anything like this before in the mall. There's their first catharsis as well. It was a huge build. And it was a huge build. It was the yeah. biggest build of anyone. Yeah. It was bigger than the scaffolding tower that that, that I was working yeah, on. Yeah, dude. I climbed it. It was so fun. It was so high. <laughs> yeah. So, like, here's this huge church. It looked like Notre Dame next to the fire. And they also had, like, these, these, like, you know, like the whole monastery there, too. <laughs> I mean, it was... Yeah. They had an amazing space, and when they were they they rocked out on on Saturday night. I mean, they were they were really celebrating. They amazing live music was being performed mm-hmm. there. Easily like a few hundred people in their space. You know, it was just like wow. And that's another thing. Like all the theme camps, there was not a theme camp that didn't pop off. <laughs> Every freaking theme camp popped off. Yeah. The um, I mean that in a very good way. Like popping off in a good way. The. <laughs> Like um, Extinction Rebellion, I mentioned them, but um, I haven't mentioned my own theme camp, DCMJ. Wow, like on Friday night especially, there was spoken word at the Liberty Pole. Everything was solar powered, mm-hmm. 100% solar powered Liberty Pole. It was nice. like super futuristic, you know, it was like very symbolic. People sitting on Plytech benches, which we've been bringing back for years, but there's benches that have a lot of history and they're really... Um, uh, comfy and people in their art and people, you get to inter- interact with them. Um, but yeah, Liberty Pole to me was like, there was just so much spoken word. Radical Matriarchy was yeah, there, Radical um, there and had like a session there. A now, I, I got to say there. something. I don't know. Radical, probably Radical Matriarchy will be listening to this. So I'm going to say if she's listening, there have been some comments that, that uh, Sister Leona was making on social media about there not being enough women a catharsis among the artists, among the contributors. Mm-hmm. And I believe you could, in theory, be a catharsis for an hour or so and not see a woman in a lead role, uh, such as a DJ or a major artist or an effigy. But you definitely couldn't spend a day there. And, t- and because really, uh, we looked into it, about 50% of all the DJs that were scheduled to perform a catharsis were women. Mm-hmm. Um, a large number, I think it's 45% of the Granite Art was actually women. Yeah, Ethos did a really good like, job of, yes, of organizing for... and, and balancing everything. Yeah, you haven't mentioned Natalie Delion, Ethos, in this uh, in this interview. Um, and, you know, she is, this is the second time that Natalie Ethos uh, has curated Catharsis um, really as like the, you know, sort of a director of the production design but um i think her contributions are immense and has she's brought like a tremendous amount of vision to the way the space is laid out and this year was impeccable in that regard um and but the um the team is also it's big i mean there there's so many people working leading different branches of the tree per se of this organization um, and I think we all need to remember that, you know, like I need to constantly remind myself, like, I don't want to, you know, like the magic that, it, like that everybody brings, like we should always like honor those people if they, if you're bringing something special and, and just try our best to like 
be empathetic to the feelings of the artists because so many artists feel they're unappreciated mm. and um you know i i greatly appreciate everyone who comes and i want to express that it's one of the reasons we um made granting a big deal this year and it's, it was already happening last year but this year it was about twenty thousand that was budgeted for for grants some grants in the end were not taken up by people who were rewarded them which is something we'll learn more about how in the future like you know we couldn't give people every dollar they asked for um the grant making and catharsis is led by the trunk and um there's some delegation involved but i feel like the process was really transparent if you're a woman artist you're a black artist you're a marginalized artist you we're we're offering grants like this is a chance to actually have your art on the National Mall and not have to go into debt to do it. Uh, but, you know, we have been sort of saying we want people who are partners. So very few of the art projects were at, or theme camps were given 100% of funding that they requested. Most were given less than half. Um, and I think that's just generally how it's going to be because, you know, we had something like $130,000 in requests for proposals and we only have $20,000 like we have to say no to a lot of people and the people we're saying yes to we're saying we'll give you half of what you're asking and you can go out and do crowdfunding and that short sort of I think crowdfunding is really important because if you have a lame idea you know and we don't really want to fund it well maybe you shouldn't be doing this idea like if you can get crowdfunding for this good idea then that's a sign that there's like community support for this art and i just don't think we should be funding 100 percent of anyone's project i think they they should try to figure out ways to fund their projects on their own the yeah you know, burning man the goal is to fund the project so you can actually give it away it's not to sell it later on but there's nothing stopping you from doing that i mean you could make a project have it on the mall and then later on sell it somehow mm -hmm. so there is art there are artists that have made that transition very effectively so if anything, we're like a startup for artists, you know, like we're giving them True. the chance yeah. to get exposure. You, you know, Allison and Alex Gray, the psychedelic artists who are really like, to me, the most, probably the most important psychedelic artists alive today. Um, they, to they the came, they showed up. I was like, are they really going to come? And they really did. They really came in. Uh, I know we can go on forever about catharsis, but the story I have about them that I want to tell is, in 2015, we were looking for creative ways to convince the Park Service that all-night dancing is actually a First Amendment right, <laughs> and that um, being, you know, this type burning a sculpture is expression. a religious expression. And we had to say religious because mm -hmm. we were saying like First Amendment, like the the National Mall's charter says, for the full expression of the First Amendment. That includes everything from contemplation to vigiling to like all these different things you can do as a first minute. Well, we we, we went in there. Yeah, well, sleeping is there. As they're saying, sleeping is not an expression of the First Amendment. <laughs> but uh, anyway, we'll get there. We'll get there. So Roman and, you know, we and others, like when we created this permit application and I, we, 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 we got Cosm, Chapel of Sacred Mirrors, to be the sponsor of the mm. demonstration, essentially. That it was their demonstration. And we said Cosm is a tax-exempt religious organization. Yeah. 
So it was a tax and religious organization that was going to the federal government saying, we want to do this burn. And okay. that, cool. that opened the door. And like literally Alex and Allison opened the door for us. And then the following <laughs> meeting with the Park Service, by that time, it was like two months later, and we're like making final deeds arrangements. Allison, Al, Allison and Alex were like, we're not coming to this. We're not going to be able to come. So we'd like you to take us off the permit. And we're like, yeah, but you know, we kind of got the permit, so Just we didn't. Ha- we didn't even have an organization yet. Through. Like we were calling ourselves Cosm. Uh huh. That's when Catharsis on the Mall became the official organization. Mm-hmm. And uh, since then, there, Dr. Bronner's, who I who I work for, has provided a grant, annual grant to Catharsis, also an annual grant to uh, Cosm, to help build their Antheon, which is a temple mm-hmm. to the discovery. Of LSD that they're building up in upstate New York, and uh, so Dr. Bronner's granted them, and then we applied for a grant with Cosm, and we're able to get a grant from Cosm. So this year, actually, our art space that that is being used, Mintwood Strategies is currently the leaseholder, which is my consulting firm. We built the temple in there. We built a lot of our art in there. That space is being is being paid for by Cosm. Wow, and it's like there's another similar space being paid for by Cosm in um, San Diego. It's called the Station, and then there's one in their own space. So we're kind of like creating these centers for, um, you know, promoting awareness about psychedelics, um, promoting psychedelic art, visionary art, um, Burning Man culture what I call healing culture, Mm -hmm. you know, like, so, but, but, you know, the work, the the best way to heal, I think, is to work. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, you, accomplishing those things, I think you're changing your brain chemistry, like, permanently, when you accomplish things. And we, the world is such that accomplishing what you can accomplish at a burn in the professional world um, isn't always that possible. Like, how is every person going to like reach their p- potential? I don't know. I don't know if that's possible. Like right. the the if everyone reached their potential, would we have a world of just like everyone's type A and everyone's you know having a high paying job and everyone is uh, you know just dominating? You know, I mean, it's like I feel like there's that we have like a domination culture and like people in business are taught to dominate and. You know, here's this whole other culture of collaboration and experience. It's like, and like, what's really valuable isn't money at all. Like, money is the last thing that anyone really values. They really, people really value is the is like the experience, togetherness, healing. It's like build it for each other and celebrate. Yeah, and like, there's just so much more of a rewarding lifestyle. You don't need a lot to make your, you know basic needs to have your basic needs met that's something also helps you understand right like living in the desert for a week you know people think oh it's so many resources to get out there you know we're out there we're not using many resources you're using almost no resources compared to comparatively to having a house Mm -hmm. or you know driving around the city all the time the whole time you're there you're not driving you know so it's actually a week of not driving Mm -hmm. unless you're of course you're driving a uh 80 foot dragon but um, but you know when it comes There's to a lot of you know the personal driving, 
of course, driving, you could fly in. You know, I think flying there is probably the, from here at least, is probably the least environmentally destructive way of getting there. I think people should try it, though. I didn't go until I was in my 30s, you know, like, I think you have to have a certain amount of, like, stability in your life to go to Burning Man and really get the most out of it. Yeah. Um, also, like, it took a couple visits to Burning Man before I even, like, had the capacity to even want to do a theme camp or... You know, I think people who are hearing this for the first time, if they're like, oh, it's catharsis, what's catharsis about? They're talking to Adam Weidinger. All right, first time, just come. Yeah. You know, like, just come and volunteer on site. Like, you don't have to bring art the first time. You know, like, mm-hmm. you just come and, like, understand the culture and j- dive in and support other people and then figure out where you should do something new, you know? like, And that's, like, good advice, I think, for anyone who's going to Burning Man, too. It's like... Join a camp. Don't, and if you can, but don't, uh, don't try to bring art the first time. Although I've seen people do it. I mean, I saw a guy bring a giant samurai steel sculpture from China, oh a Chinese gosh, sculpture awesome. this past year. Huge, huge piece, like maybe uh, thirty feet tall. He like, came from China. He brought the whole, made the whole thing in China. He's shipped like, it I'm from going China. To went to Burning <laughs> Man. Dope. Had like one person helping him. Assembled the whole uh-huh. thing, and it is like a massive samurai with a skull oh, face, shit, burning man. Okay. Um, like made from steel. It's like totally heavy metal, like whatever. It was like really metal cool. and heavy. Um, but really heavy metal. Yeah, it was so. It was badass. It was like beautiful badassness. And uh, but I had never met a Chinese burner before from China, like a real Chinese <laughs> citizen, you know, who doesn't live in the United States. He lives wow. in China, and and he had like. Very few friends at Burning Man. He didn't know anybody. It was his first time. You know, he came with one person. But, man, the artwork sure made him some friends. And yeah. art cars would come there and just jam out next to this amazing sculpture. Oh, my gosh. All you had the inspiration and the calling to really share with a great group of people. Yeah. And, like, Burning Man's, it. like, a thousand times over. There are, there are like, 1,200 theme camps, a thousand works of art. Like, you're yeah. not even going to see it all. Right. And... And that's where I want to see what happened on the mall is where it's so big, but doesn't belong to any one person. It's like everyone can have a piece of it. Yeah. Everybody wants to be there. And like the whole thing of staying up all night, uh-huh. and which I think is the crucial factor in catharsis for it's like, like that's challenged mass as well. Effect. Yeah, mass effect, but also like seeing the sunrise together. Yes. There's something in Toronto called White Nights. Mm. Have you ever heard of it? So they have it once a year, I think it's in October, where like everybody in Toronto stays up all night. Like the whole town. Like on a a Saturday night, just stays up all night. And they set up like like an amusement park in the the middle of the streets. And like this whole part of the city is closed down and they create public artworks everywhere. And there's something like a million dollars in grants for public art. And these are very ambitious public art projects that people propose. Um, one year, the uh, the year I actually got to see it, they had strung up huge thirty foot high LED letters or, or like screens for well, backdrop for letters, mm-hmm. and it was called four letter word, and it was four spots, and every like five minutes or so, the word would change to another four letter word, and <laughs> of course, everyone's <laughs> thinking, fuck. 
you know, when's that going to come up? You know, like, <laughs> it's going to be like two in the morning. Like, you know, and so all night long, it's just like for every five minutes, a new word would come up, you know, and people would just sit there. And the thing was huge. It was, I mean, easily 80 feet wide and like 30 feet high. It was really big. And it was strung up between two buildings. It was like just hanging over the street. It just kept changing four-level words. I was so, and it never repeated the word words. It was always a different word. And then people word would machine. people would like try to guess the word, you know, like it was it was it was so weird. Um, but people were spending hours out there next to it, you know. So and that's the kind of thing I'm hoping to see with catharsis is that we inspire giant works of art. Not the you know you start to see that with like Caesar Max it built that O it was really big the life yeah. letters were really big yeah, that's all cardboard yep. it was that's like dirty, not hard yeah. to build like and it was showing how, like like you know yes it's impressive stuff and but still I'm I'm trying to say it was built fast it was not hard to build the materials were not expensive you know the granted those you- boxes are getting recycled but you know it's the way it goes. What do you do about if the entire National Mall is going to be taken up by catharsis, um, like traffic and parking? Like, do you keep it local? Would you give more grants to local artists? Or like, you know what I'm saying? Well, I think as people learn the culture of it and what the Park Service requires and learn about staffing their camps, like, sorry to say, like, Mesocresso didn't think this through when they left the scene like hmm. when the thunder and lightning started on Saturday night they essentially shut down their camp mm-hmm. they had like $25,000 of speakers just sitting out there in the pouring down rain with no one watching it granted they put they put tarps and stuff on their stuff but still when you want to like oh, man. hold vigil in your own space yeah. and by the way an hour later the generator was back on they could have turned their speakers back on they held it down all day. They took advantage of the, of the daytime. Yeah. But, you know, other camps kept going all night. The foam camp went all night. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, was it? Uh, Dan Safe went all night. Um, Meadow went all night, sort Maker's of, I guess. Camp. Yeah, Makers, sorry. Totally you, you, you. Um, yeah, so, I'm sorry. I mean, it's... <laughs> but, I, but, 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 but little, seriously, I love, I love Meso, Cresso. They're probably the uh, most inspiring local local community that I've been part of as far as like dancing and I mean their nomadico festival was really awesome yeah. I got to go to it and also just for Ramblewood. one night and I loved it wasn't that up in Bramblewood um no it was somewhere else it in, wasn't in Hartford County Maryland well I didn't go to the Ramblewood one okay. they they've had oh, a no, couple they had a, a theme camp at Pex that's what it was Yes, at PEX, which is not happening this year. And I think there's another reason why they, they really came out and forced for catharsis. But if they're listening, don't go home when it rains. Figure out how to stay dry. You don't have to necessarily play music all the time. If there's thunder and lightning, we're not playing music. But we can do other things. So, you know, that was kind of sad. I mean, members of, of their own group showed up at like 2 and 3 in the morning and we're like, where are they? You know, and I was like, oh, uh, they left a couple hours, a few hours ago. Or, you know, so it was sort of like, you know, we're here. Like, we're this is the this is where you just go all out. Like, come on, it's catharsis. Like, go all out. Like, don't hold back. Um, I feel like in our society, like a lot of people are holding back, and like this is our chance to really go all, all out. And 
and one day like, I, I do want catharsis to inspire the kind of art that goes to Burning Man every year so um, it just echoes. oh yeah sorry about that so I think we have to just keep at it I mean I'm extremely pleased with this year and there was so much hard work by the team that put it together um, I've come for four years and this is definitely the best in my opinion we had, the weather I mean, really helps yeah I mean oh Chuck who did, who did rangering this year was like on huge long shifts Nicholas Schiller super long shifts um, you know the folks from the magic foam they mm. they really I mean we had, we foamed we had foaming hard. on the mall and it was actually kind of popular like a lot of people yeah. did it it was warm Fun. enough for it um I thought that was a lot of effort, you know, uh, to bring that. The Ichiro, uh, our most expensive endeavor of any single project. Um, you know, we have to like look at the cost benefit of it. I mean, on one hand, it it was spectacular. Uh, I mean, it was it's, it was a showstopper. People would walk by, be jogging by, and it would just stop mm-hmm. and be like, "Oh wow!" Like realize how intricate the beadwork on it is. Also, supporting artists. From the global south, from Mexico, um, and saying no, we we want you to be seen here in the nation's capital. I think that builds so much goodwill between our countries, and we need it right now with it Donald came Trump. From Mexico. It came all the way from Mexico, yeah. So that to me is amazing, but it also was very expensive. It was yeah. about twenty six thousand dollars. It was more than the entire grant budget for all the other artists. Now it funded itself on its own. It had its own crowdfund. It was the darling of the trunk and the roots. It became our goal to raise that money. And this is kind of what's happened in previous years where we'll, there'll be like an amazing existing work of art that we want to bring. And then we like raise that separately than the general event budget, which is about 65000 um, this year. Uh, so, and that event budget, boy, like, Where's the money going? It's going to flooring, to the, to the armor decking. That's required by the Park Service, which we just can't stand. But this year it was kind of a lifesaver. It was definitely a lifesaver. <laughs> I think we have a better relationship with armor decking after this year oh, that we realize yeah, how essential. It was also essential last November, too. It was very muddy. Yeah, and to be um, fair, we only used four extra pieces for the record. There was a lot of confusion around that. Well, but we were allocated two stacks. I said, are these our stacks? They said, yes. And we took them. At some point, we're going to have to, like, people who use more of it, we're going to, like, have to come up with some sort of sharing of costs on that. Because right now, I don't know how sustainable it is. I mean, we're being, we're very lucky because of the grant that's coming in that we can pay for that. But when you think about it, I mean, how many thousands of people do you think came to Catharsis? And how much we had to spend on flooring. I mean, it's a per person cost is actually quite significant. It's something like $20 a person. You know, so we're spending all this money on just flooring. Um, I, you know, I, I, I don't like spending it there. There's also some big discussions that have to take place within the trunk. That, you know, either the incoming trunk or the existing trunk about whether or not Catharsis will ever have paid staff. Um and, you know, there are people that are being paid to work on Catharsis, not by Catharsis as an organization. So, you know, that 65000 does not include staff who are helping in ways because they are sponsored either by Mintwood Strategies, my firm, or they're sponsored 
by a company or something. Um, so there, there is a little bit of an issue there and we have, you don't really know, I really don't know what the right solution is just yet. Um, I think the, having these elections for the trunk, which is coming up very soon and really if people want to lead, help lead catharsis, no experience required. You just have to have gone to catharsis at least once. You could be like essentially in the board of directors. I really encourage theme camps to put someone up because mm -hmm. the theme camp, you can get someone on. I mean, if your whole theme camp voted for Mary or for you, Davis, you know, it'd be like you could get, you could be on the trunk and you could help make decisions, help spend the resources. There's money committed for at least two more years from COSM. So, um, you know, I think right. we're, we're yeah. encouraging people to to sign up to run. I'm running again, but mainly as a placeholder. I don't want to see nine people run, mm -hmm. and um, I'm going to be involved as a roots member either way. But I didn't vote this last year, and there were just a couple times I wish I could have voted. I wish I could have made a more formal proposal, um, and so I was kind of missing out on that a little bit. But uh, I'm also. I, will, I want to see more leadership. So if, if people start stepping up, I think they just extended the deadline for nominations because we don't have as many as we would like. And what is the deadline? Um, I think it's the 17th of this month. I, I, I wasn't it's on the trunk. It's on the catharsisonthemall.com okay. website. Yeah. Yeah. There's um, On the top, there's a little button that says trunk elections. Okay. And uh, it is know. pretty Good cool. Like Burning Man's not democratic. Yeah, so and that's another question I was going to ask. We you, are. Adam, is what values differ? I mean, what are the values of catharsis? You've already stated that it's different than Burning Man. Um, and do you feel like those values, you're accomplishing the goal? Um, well, we embrace the 10 principles, but then we've got additional ones. 10 principles of Burning Man. Plus a consent principle, plus the principle of, tr of it being free, that it needs to be free. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Right. Um, so I think we have like at least 12 like hardcore principles uh, I mean uh, Burning Man is is rocking I mean I was just I was just at the theme camp symposium in San Francisco a couple it. months ago there's still a tremendous amount of interest and growth happening and new people getting involved and there's definitely burnout. I mean, people stop going too. No pun intended. Yeah, I mean that's okay though. I mean, uh, I think that, that but we need to take the burner culture out of the desert and mm. put it in every urban area. Yeah, I just the think urban areas really need it. The urban also. areas need the, these fires. Like yeah. they need the communal, secular, humanist fire. Getting in this touch is not with a the religious cult. There is no specific religion or or concept that we're putting out there with these with the event it is if anything it's this can be whatever you want it to be if you want to be it to be about radical matriarchy you can make it about radical matriarchy but you should not expect anyone else to do it for you you know radical self-reliance is another is another attribute of the event so when people say this should be this way it's like well then do it you know, that's why I'm saying more people should participate in the build and strike of the event right. because it's yeah. that is the event too. And um, to me, like you know, going to Burning Man for the build week is where where like I I can't even party if I don't go to build week. I can't just show up and party. <laughs> like that's not cool. Like uh -uh. 
I, I feel like we have to earn the party. You know, we have to have accomplish something. So building the place is an accomplishment and more people should do it. And what, what, what was the question? Now? Well, I was asking <laughs> if you feel like, do you feel like you're accomplished, excuse me, accomplishing the purpose um, of healing? Maybe uh, it varies from year to year, but for, for everybody, I think. Uh, for me personally, um, yes. Uh, it, ironically, this year, the most healing experience I had was um, on the first night, first overnight. Mary was there, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, we were vigiling at the site. So someone has to be at the site at all times. So even when we're building on like Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday, there's someone there overnight watching all the camp stuff. Cat was there too. So, yeah. Yeah, Cat was there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, you were there. You fell asleep at one point yeah. though in the car. You went she in the was car. Meditating. No, she went in the car and fell asleep. Oh, okay. So it was, it was all good. She was not on the site. Um, but we had the gong out there. Um, uh, Sister Mary and I have a mm-hmm. share a gong in the house here, and we brought it to the mall. And that's it right in the background there. Um, and we were just playing it and photographing it. And and then we were playing, uh, we had a little speaker and we were playing some music. There were oh very few gosh, responsibilities yeah. that night, almost none, except to make sure nothing got stolen that was on site. And But there was no building schedule for that night. And we were like basically we on schedule. We had the schedule. most fun dancing around out there. Yeah, it was like totally open and we were just dancing and, and exp- it was warm and... Just it wasn't raining, you know. And it was just like just a like gr- beautiful, the land clear too. sky and setting the intention for the rest of the weekend. And just like yeah, my feet and on the ground, it felt really good. And we were giving something, you know. We were giving the, we're giving people this event, like, and we're here the first night. And you know, I worked, I went nocturnal. I I basically was on site from midnight to eight a.m. every night. I want to, anyone listening, encourage you to do this with me next year or even let me off the hook from doing it. This, you know, Because I rarely get to experience the daytime scene. Um, I'm very much the nighttime scene. And, uh, I, you know, I like, I like doing it, but I'm, I know part of it is that I'm also just like, you know, the weird stuff happens at night. There's a lot of people who wander into the site. Mm-hmm. Um, and there wasn't as much of it this year as there was in previous years, actually, actually but... There still was some people wandering in, and, and they're like, what is this? And it's like 3 in the morning, and it's like, why are you out here walking around 3 in the morning? You know, like, so there's a little bit of, like, back and forth. But, <laughs> but usually it's because the person is experiencing some sort of trauma or mm-hmm. walking off something. And it happens, like, this year after year. We met someone this year whose mm-hmm. children have autism, and, you know, his wife wants to move to Oregon or uh, to Utah. You know, it was like this whole like personal crisis going on and just rolled into our space, you know, <laughs> and was like, what is this? You know, and it really took his mind off of yeah, what was bothering him. Hours. Yeah. He sat with us really for a nice. while and, yeah. you know, and t- just talked and we were there on the election night when, when Hillary lost uh, a couple years ago. And it was the same thing. People were wandering in and like in shock all night long and we'd like give them comfort and just talk to them and so Washington has people wandering around the streets at night that are like yeah. having a difficult time so we end up healing them and getting them involved sometimes like they're, they're this guy Bogey I mean he walked onto the site in 
2015. He's been coming every year. Oh, bogey with the like we the would, yeah, cart bo- yeah, the, the pedicab driver. Pedicab, he works yeah. the mall all the time. Oh. When oh, Catharsis nice. comes around, he comes yeah. and spends nights with us, and he volunteered. He volunteers yeah. every year and helps out. I mean, yeah. he helps out in his own special way. I mean, everybody to the best, each their own best ability, and there are different abilities. I mean, Definitely. I have friends that are just not up for all the physical stuff, but they'll be there mm-hmm. at night and they'll hold the space down. Mm-hmm. They can, maybe can't lift, you know, fifty pounds matrix but they'll they'll watch the site they'll they'll talk to people who come to the site there's things they can do like you don't have to come there and just lift heavy stuff yeah you can come there and just be a liaison Mm -hmm. there were some people that um you know came to the site this year and were immediately like i want to volunteer and they immediately were okay you're going to be a guide and they mm-hmm. didn't even know. <laughs> yeah. They had just learned, you know, about the space. But they were like, now I'm going to tell people about the space. And they did it for like hours. And they were like holding the space down. So, you know, that's serendipity. It's like when you find something you're not looking for. Uh-huh. I believe catharsis is just one giant serendipitous experience for everyone except for the people that are actually in the camp that you're visiting. They know exactly what they're doing, <laughs> but uh, it. But you know, like mentioned, uh, the Republicans, uh, their camp was serendipitous to me. Like I found things that I didn't expect to find, and it cracked me up. And so it sounds like it is successful. To say it's successful is is in the eye of the beholder. I mean, like. I know people that were like, oh, catharsis was so wet this year. It was awful. I've already heard that from a few people. Uh, and I'm like, well, if you've come the years before, and also equally and, as wet. <laughs> the struggle is real people. Like this is supposed to be a struggle. Even in beautiful May, yep. you mm-hmm. might get struck by lightning or electrocuted. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you haven't frozen or, um, been extremely tired and, and slightly delirious then you haven't really experienced catharsis oh and I, I love the Washington Post headline this or year <laughs> did you read their read the, what their coverage I said did not what did it say well Lauren Berlecamp deserves a lot of credit for doing PR for catharsis this year and writing the press release but she managed the, them and this is great PR because the headline said um, catharsis them all returns mini burning man without the drugs and alcohol <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> that was really funny well I didn't see much alcohol or drugs I saw people with open containers of alcohol and we said things to them immediately mm-hmm. I did see people with open containers of alcohol and it was sort of like why are you walking around with a beer can in your hand like yeah. why do you think it's okay to have not a bottle clever. of wine down here like it was like it, it was is not legal event. it's never yeah a special event that that, uh, that had a special 21 and older area but you just walked up here and you're still out in public <laughs> be clever now you know what the penalty is on the national park service land you can be arrested for that mm-hmm. but usually they give you a 25 dollar citation that you have to appear at the police station within two weeks and pay but you will be photographed and fingerprinted so it's kind of like admission of guilt. Um, that's for alcohol. Cannabis is actually the same thing. Now, the Liberty Poll, the DCMJ Liberty Poll, and we're the folks that legalized marijuana, officially was no smoking zone. But unofficially, uh, I saw a lot of 
activists go there and smoke a, a joint and essentially say, I'm performing civil disobedience. And I know the police, at, especially at night, smelled the marijuana because they came over and they were like, we smell marijuana. Mm-hmm. Everyone looked around like, not me, but, you know, <laughs> I'm pretty sure people around them had smoked. It's just a matter of time before the police do start to crack down on illicit substances being used. Um, it's technically not even legal to smoke cigarettes in the park. Oh, word? Word. So smoking anything in the park is, is technically not legal. In the mall. On the mall. On the, um, the park, okay. But our event, there, there's definitely a, a fair amount of people that are getting blitzed before they come. Uh, people with flasks in their jackets. But I say fair amount, and I, and I mean that in only the in a complimentary way, because what is happening during the inaugurations and during Fourth of July on the mall hmm. is outright mass consumption. Um, Capital Pride, you go to Dupont Circle, where we've had events there um, during Pride with DCMJ. Just everyone's consuming alcohol out in the park illegally mm. the police are doing nothing about it when the part when the party's over there are bottles everywhere strewn around the park now did you guys see no trash in our park in our park for catharsis because i didn't see respectful. we were making art out of it yeah we were i saw almost <sighs> no trash whatsoever the whole, and we didn't even have trash cans and people were it was keeping... leaving a trace you had to take whatever you brought you took home right but I did find an empty six-pack of Miller Lite and, uh, on Sunday morning. So someone had brought some beer and was like, I guess, drinking it out on the site. Um, but I think as being an open event as we are, we, we, we can always say to the park service, like, these aren't our people. Right. Like, this is just someone who wandered in. Right. Foreign nationals also think it's legal to do this. Like I met a German guy with a bottle of beer in his hand, and he was uh, like, "I was like, you can't drink that here." And he's like, "Oh, no!" I was like, "This isn't Germany. Like, you know, in Germany, you can walk around with a beer, and no one thinks twice about it. Yeah, he's drinking a beer, whatever. You know, like you. It's same thing in other countries, but no, we can't. Unfortunately, I, 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 and I think it. You know, just sort of like to wrap up this thought. The lack of alcohol. At the event compared to Burning Man, I think is a huge positive. I think it's awesome. Alcohol Burning Man is a problem. It's specifically a healing vigil, so people keep their consumption respectful and like um, yeah. medicinal, I guess. All of these thing, all of these things are medicines. So there are people who say whiskey is medicine. Oh yeah, and for sure. Grandma, come in from the cold. You you just oh, I mean, I know the people who brought flasks to here. catharsis. They know who they are, mm-hmm. and I know who they are, <laughs> and you know, they're they're being sly about it, but I mean they're they're making a decision to sort of disrespect the organizers' intentions. Mm-hmm. You know, we we have a no drug policy, we have a no alcohol policy on our website. Um, we do recognize the benefits of psychedelics. But you you really shouldn't be bringing them to the site. Like, okay. if if it the uh, if catharsis turns into a pub, mass public use event, it won't happen anymore. Like, mm-hmm. true that it'll it'll lose its permit. And mm-hmm. f- 
We didn't have a single incident this year with law enforcement, and nobody was arrested. We had one guy apparently walk naked through the event um, I pro- under the influence of something, we're not sure, but definitely not sober. Um, and he was given immediate help, and uh, we, are we have a Zendo and trained Zendo, Zendo's for people having... I remember that, actually. I walked right by when it was happening. Yeah, someone had psych- people with psychedelic emergencies. Yeah, shout or, out to Zendo. Zendo. Yeah, well, you really, Zendo. we. I mean, we're prepared for if there were was a lot of people right. having a pro- a problem. We we're prepared for that. But mm-hmm. yeah. knock on wood, we haven't had any problems like that over the years. Um, we did have an assault the very first year. Someone who was drunk wandered into the site and punched one of our rangers, um, and in that involved the police Jeez. later and and the police released him because we didn't want to press charges um but uh, which was really gracious of the person who was punched because she was punched pretty hard um so yeah we have had you know just very uh good participation and i think this year we were kind of scared there was a little bit of fear that well the warmer weather will draw out more violence um and that you know when you get these few people together and if there's someone who's intoxicated that could be recipe for it and um well it didn't i don't didn't happen at all it was like yeah. so tranquil and mm-hmm. man i saw people blissed out like oh my god totally. i heard from so many people they were like having the best day in like months mm-hmm. you know especially that daytime on saturday it was the beautiful weather and oh, yeah. it was sublime you know, you know people were just in awe of the event they were so happy we were getting good weather exactly so yeah. adam i mean we could sit here forever and talk about. We've been talking amazing, for like an hour. Right? Amazing. <laughs> we, it was only supposed to be thirty minutes. These. Uh, <laughs> I'm on forty. You, oh my god. Your stories are so captivating. So oh, I, thanks for. It's hard to. St- I don't want to. Shit, stop this you. is like I mean, Howard Stern two hour. <laughs> <laughs> so let's just wrap it up on how can people get involved? I mean, it's an amazing event. We're definitely going to be involved next year. We have a lot of interest in um, becoming part of the trunk, a few members. So thank you that you extended the deadline. I wasn't even aware. Well, of I didn't extend the deadline. The current or, trunk or did. thank you to the current but, trunk. But so for everyone that's I'm announcing it. <laughs> what's the best way to get involved? Um, well, today? I mean, definitely visit catharsisofthemall.com, uh, the website. Um, or is it .org? I it's think it's... Com. It's, uh, it's, it's com, com, yeah. And... Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and make sure you're on the mailing list, you know, th- find out because that'll like alert you to the trunk election. Make sure you vote in the trunk election, mm-hmm. like participate in that. Um, start planning your theme camp for next year. If you're a theme camp, you should just spend some heart, like look at what you did this year. If you were a theme camp this year and like really don't waste any time assessing how you, what you liked and what you didn't like and what you want to change. Start working. If you have big ideas, start working on them. Yeah. Um, maybe go to a regional burn if you haven't been to one. Uh, just, just participate and see what that's like. Bring up your skills. But I think people, um, you know, in the meantime, I would also say like all these groups that were there are doing stuff throughout the year. So pick one and be active, uh-huh. you know, like, yeah. you don't have to be involved with all the groups, just be right. involved with one group, you know, Something it's that you like, resonate with. but it is now a collection of groups. I mean, Definitely. catharsis is not a single group, although 
it did feel that way when we had the burn. Like we were one community mm. and we were there for one purpose um, during the burn. But the throughout the burn, throughout the uh, demonstration, we were each each location was doing their own thing. I mean, we had all Sasha Baskina and, and I'm not sure who else helped her, but they created a children's zone mm. that was in the foam area in the blue the blue the blue tent. I don't really have a name yet. It's a new tent. Um, but they they had all kinds of workshops for parents and kids, and it was you know special to like to do that. And I I think it's just you know I can, I'm only there at night. Like there's 24 hours a day for three days to do stuff. You could program just 30 minutes or an hour of that time, and really make it amazing. Like whatever you're doing. And if, if enough people do that, you know, it's literally like there's amazing stuff happening constantly. Constantly, yeah. And uh, some of it's overlapping, which is unfortunate, but when I mean, you miss things because you go, oh, this is amazing here and it's amazing there and you're like stuck yeah. in the middle and you see nothing, you know. It's yeah. like, you know. You can no, just stay in one place and Yeah, you can stay in one spot or like a I mean, whole I'm, rainbow. Yeah, I mean, there's so much and there's different perspectives as well. It's mm-hmm. like, I like that too about catharsis. I don't want to be in a space where everyone agrees with everything. Mm-hmm. I, I mean, we yeah, we were agreeing on these principles that keep the event together, but we could have come... I mean, there was, like, debates about economy. There were debates about politics. It was spicy. There were different approaches to climate change being presented. Um, there was radical activism theory being presented. Um, all kinds of different mediums of art being represented there. I think the art needs to remember that it should have a message. I, that's a personal preference. I don't think everyone's doing that. Mm. Some people were just making art and just bringing it. Um, uh, yeah, so like, you know, it's like the awesomeness is up to us. And I'm really working hard to recruit my daughter and her friends who are in high school to yeah. do their own theme camp. I tried to get them to do it this year and they weren't really up for it. To join our camp, we're young enough. Well, they came They came, <laughs> and they did hang out in your camp quite a bit. A little bit um, but yeah. I think they're still like two, they're still it, 10 it, years it, younger yeah. than. Yeah. They are, it's whatever. a little intimidating, it, but they're brave. Well, I was thinking like, you know, they could get their own camp going. And, totally. You know, every 10 Our years or so, you should ideas. have a different generation stepping up. So, mm-hmm. you know, they're, you know, the millennials are stepping up for sure at Catharsis. Um, I guess that's what they're calling you guys millennials? I don't... We are millennials. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> but the Z generation is coming up and they, this, they really need this too. And, yeah, I would um, say they need it more. Totally. Because they grew up with cell phones. In yeah, they've, they've never... Like that creates a lot of human disconnection, which yeah. is one of the problems that we're solving is everyone's connected virtually, but disconnected personally. And so we spend a lot of energy and, and, and thought into what our programming is and how are people actually connecting. And so anyway, in terms of getting involved, um, if you want to get involved, we have events throughout the year. We'll be at Catharsis next year. Who knows? There might be a Catharsis in between. <laughs> there's something called uh, I've been I've been thinking that we should just do something called a catharsis catharsis flash where it's like Um, it's like one truck yeah it's just one truck shows up it's one night one night vigil it's a one night vigil we could I was thinking about Haynes point like going down by the river Um, the Potomac is really high right now it was flooding the National Park Service 
office today. It was like literally flooding wow. their building. It was that high. It was like what? the island they're on over in West Potomac Park. Dang. Oh my god! And uh, also, the you know we got the Fourth of July coming up. And um, so stay tuned. Yeah, we could maybe we should go to the Fourth of July. The dot com, or you can check out the Facebook page. You guys posting a bunch of events. And, um, there are no events planned right now, like nothing. Well, uh, in the past, I mean, you had a lot of we events did, leading up. We to did have a lot leading up. Stay posted. I think are, we're, I think everyone's a little tired are. and yeah. taking a little bit of a. Whew, we did it. We pulled it yeah. off in six months, and uh, <laughs> yeah, the website's <laughs> where all the links to all the camps are too, so people can follow up with stuff that they found interesting throughout yep. the yep. place. Yeah, and and you know, I really appreciate your asking me to be on the podcast and thank you for giving it so much time uh, it's hard to stop such engaging conversation. Uh, well you could have stopped me if you wanted to I wouldn't have been offended but uh, but I do appreciate that um, all the time you're giving it and you know well that last thought is that it isn't about one person like it's really not about me or the other founders of the thing like we intentionally are trying to we want this to belong full to the community, and so, um, you know, it's everybody what they make of it. It's what you make of it. Thank you, Adam. All right. Thank you, Mary. Thank, Thank you, Justin, you. Emma, and Kat for for being here and helping yes. with the video as well. Um, yes, stay tuned on Catharsis's page. Hopefully, we'll see some events popping up. Maybe we'll do another collab. Probably the election will be. The there'll be like a town hall for the election okay, where everyone good, gets good. to come and hear the yeah. candidates, and then it'll be social too. So yeah, I had a great time this year, and one of our, you know, that was like one of our top three. And then if that's top three, another one of our top three was the New Year's Eve collaboration with Catharsis. Mm. And, uh, oh, it's I miss it. Oh, unfortunately, it was, it was truly a, a magical, yeah. Arctic experience. Oh my gosh, yeah. Um, I heard it was always, a good fundraiser too. Yeah, yeah, and, which is important, right? And as always, um, if you want to stay tuned with our events and see what we're up to, we've got a lot of things coming up. You can go to our website. It's metacreative.world. M e t t a creative.world. And as always, this is a, an episode of the MetaMakers podcast, inspiring sustainability through collaborative arts. Thanks for listening. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs>